Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastival, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my friends to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes and experiences, and collate their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. We are now on to the late 30s, episode 38. I hope you all had a lovely Valentine's Day, which has recently passed. And a massive thank you to my last guest, Mr. Jeremy Michael, in episode 37. And he was such a great guest. He was so into the Fantastical concept. Great chat, a great lineup, and an episode that I really, really enjoyed. So moving forward now, like I said, episode 38, and time to introduce this week's guest on this episode. I'm delighted to introduce, finally, as I've had him in mind for quite a while, uh, and today's worked out very well for the both of us, an absolute legend, all-round top guy. I think he may have a surprise or two up his sleeve for me. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Jordan Hayward. Hey, thank you very much, Dee. I'm coming at this more often with that kind of intro. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, lovely to speak to you. I start off every podcast now by asking my guests you know, how they are. It's been a difficult couple of months now, almost a year really. So, George, like, how are you, mate? Um, I'm good, all things considered. Um, remaining positive. Um, you know, I've got my health and, and all that jazz. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I think after a year, I've, I've just had to resign myself to whatever is is, and uh, just to roll with the punches and get on with them. Nicely done, nicely done. How And how have you found lockdown? How have you kind of handled it? Um, So in my introduction, I gave you a nice introduction there. But when I was doing your introduction and planning it, I found out I actually don't know too much about you. Obviously, you work at H&V as part of the amazing uh, customer service team. But apart from that, who else is Jordan Hayward? What 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 is the myth behind the legend that is Jordan? <laughs> So you mentioned music coming into it in your teenage years. Without giving too much away, what kind of music are you into? Uh, I'm a little bit of everything. I know mean, it's probably what a lot of people say, but um, I truly do have a, a really varied taste. I'm, I try not to listen just to, to one genre. Um, if it sounds good, I'll listen to it is, is my mantra. And I try and... I think the theme that goes through them all is I like them... Energetic. I like you know fast music, music that you know gets me moving or, or gets you know my energies up. 
Um, so, you know, that could be like a fast rock song, a fast metal song, a fast R&B song, um, just anything that's positive and uplifting and gets me going is the kind of music I listen to. So a pretty open book then, which makes your Fantastical quite hard to predict, which I've had quite mm-hmm. good fun with. Um, so we'll see. I, I am really excited to see what, what your <laughs> predictions are. I, I'd be really, I'd be a little bit shocked if you got, I think we've, in the past, we've discussed one of the bands that are on there, but other than that, I'm I'm really interested to see. <laughs> I hope I haven't disgraced myself, um, which I may have well done. So, is there anything at the moment, again, without giving away too much, that you're currently listening to, whether that's a new artist or an older artist that you keep listening to at the moment and go, wow, this is just fantastic? Um, I've been listening to Jessie Ware a lot recently. Um, she, she's been around for a bit making music, um, but it was only her most recent album I listened to um, around June time last year. And it was one of those albums I put on and I thought, all right, that was a good album. And I left it. And then I found myself keep on going back to like a few songs and then a few more songs. And then recently I've just kind of been listening to it on a loop. Um, it's been, it's really good. Um, also, there's a, a rapper called uh, Doja Cat who, um, she's just a lot of fun. I was introduced to it by Holly from the Ring of Reserve team. So shout out to Holly. Um, she, she gave me the wreck and she's a bit different to what I, what I usually like but it, her music's fun her music's energetic it's a bit campy um, but it's it's a good time so and that's yeah that's why I, I kind of like her great stuff great stuff too I, I know Jessie Ware I haven't heard of Doja Cap I'll definitely go and check her out. So those are two fairly new artists. But let me take you back. So you're not as old as what I am, although I'm not that old. <laughs> although I've made myself sound very old. You're, let's say you're, you're few, you're quite a bit younger than me. So let me take you back. Then I guess I'm taking you back into the 2000s. I guess mid 2000s of when you bought your first record. Um, it, that was kind. Thank you. <laughs> no, it was, um, I'm a little bit older than that. I'm mid to late 90s was when I bought my first single or when I, my parents got me to buy my first single would probably be the uh, the most accurate way to put that okay so you may be a bit too kind but you know I'm a kind person I'm a gent on this podcast so George what was it don't what was it don't keep us in suspense um, uh, it's with true trepidation I say this but um, <laughs> it was in fact Spice Girls I can't remember what one it was but my parents bring it up every time we talk about music that the first single I ever bought was a Spice Girls CD, um, but I don't, I don't remember buying it, so they could just be having me on and trying to get me embarrassed. But um, yeah, they always, they always bring it up whenever I've got friends around or something. But the one, the one I remember, I remember going into an actual H and B and buying because a lot of like the music I grew up with, it was downloads. It was you know iTunes and some other maybe legal. Uh, yeah. Softwares I used, um, but I remember going to H and B and also buying a. I'm not going to say because it, it will spoil one of the acts that are on there, but um, buying a CD single. Um, yeah, and I remember walking around my estate with like my CD Walkman and my Adidas popping um, tracksuits. <laughs> you, you couldn't tell me nothing. Honestly, I was on top of the world. Um, it feeling like I owned everything. So that was, um, yeah, for me, it was mainly downloads that, that, that I did, which is a shame because I, I love, I'm, I'm a fan of the podcast and I listen to a lot of the other people who, you know, have a very real experience of going into the shop and buying their first single. And for me, 
it's mainly it, I don't really have that. I, it's more I remember just downloading really. I guess a sign of the times, isn't it? Really, I think you're probably one of the youngest guests that I've had on the podcast. So yeah, maybe you know it's because of the time that that you grew up in a very lucky time. Um, to be fair, where music's so accessible um, to you. So this podcast is all about you collating your fantasy festival. Have you been to many? Are you a festival person or are you rather kind of watch it on the TV and just chill out? Uh, no, I, I, I love a festival. Um, and then that's one of the things that I miss the most in the past year or so is just I really miss live music. Um, me and a couple of friends and my partner, we usually go to the festival, which um, obviously hasn't been on for a couple of years, but we, we made an effort of, of going everywhere. Even if the bands were a bit naff, it was always just that vibe of you know, being together with friends, having a couple of drinks, being in the sun, watching whatever was in front of you. It was, it, you know, festivals are, are incomparable in that way, the, the whole vibe of it. But um, it's not just like music festivals, though. It's food festivals, film festivals, anything of that ilk. I, I, I really do enjoy. Um, there was quite a good few Birmingham festivals that have been on um, that are relatively cheap to go to and are just as fun, even if they're on a, a smaller scale. Um, there was a swing festival that I went to, very random, but a very uh, swing festival I went to called Swingamajig um, a couple of years ago. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do really like a, a good music festival. I'm glad you mentioned all kind of the alternative festivals because people obviously hear it's a fantasy festival podcast and try and make it quite rightly about bands and whatever. But you know, the festival was open to any interpretation. So there was a podcast that didn't happen in the end where my guest was going to do five stand up comics because he's into stand up comedy. So. Yeah, a festival can absolutely be what you what you make it or what you want it to be. I mean, you spoke about V, and me and my mates used to go to V religiously in the late nineties, early two thousand. Was there anyone who you saw at V and just thought, "Wow"? Was there anyone who you still look back on and go, "They were brilliant." Um, I remember because my parents were quite big festival goers as well. I remember the first time I went, I went with my parents. I think I was about seventeen, and um, I think Oasis were on the main stage. But Keen was on the second stage, um, and we were at Oasis, and we weren't really feeling it. We were kind of, I don't know, there was a, not so much an atmosphere, but I think as a 17-year-old at the time, it just, it didn't really resonate with me. Mm. So I remember me and my parents went over to um, Keen just to see them, and the crowd was a lot shorter, smaller, <laughs> but... It was, it was a really, you know, they really kind of worked it out and I think it was just so surprising um, to, to see them there. I think the thing about festivals that I love as well is not knowing, you know, as I said before, I'm really open to kind of any, any music and if there's two hours, three hours where there's nothing, you know, nothing to say, I, I don't mind just sitting down and, and watching whoever, whoever comes on. So I know in 2009, um, Lady Gaga performed in like one of the small tents, and I remember going to see her and, and thinking like, oh, I reckon she's gonna, <laughs> I reckon she might make a name for herself. And then obviously every, everything blew up, and she's now one of the biggest pop stars in the world. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of really great memories, but I think a lot of them are just with the people I've been with, and you know, and being in that kind of music. And then that's why I like the acts that I like. They they kind of bring back those great memories of being at a festival with whoever I was with at the time. Great stuff. My my wife went to see um 
whenever anyone mentions Lady Gaga, I remember my wife went to see the Pussycat Dolls at the O2. And again, it's when Gaga, her, her first album had just come out and it was Pussycat Dolls, Neo and Lady Gaga supporting. And she was on really early and says like, who's Lady Gaga? And I was like, seriously, I was like, go and see her because you ain't going to be seeing her like anytime soon in any support act in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's, am- it's amazing when you see big support bands. I saw Coldplay uh, once support Embrace uh, at the London Astoria <laughs> or when their first single came out, which was just bonkers now when you look back um, and reflect it. But I didn't, I knew they were going to be big, but I had no kind of idea at the time of how big they would be. That's probably the biggest support act that I've seen um, in my lifetime so far. So you mentioned you love live music. Are there any kind of live gigs that haven't been festivals that you look back on and go, wow, that that was amazing? Uh, um, yeah, a couple of them are in my things. I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, we went, me, and, uh, me and my partner went to go and see Jack Jones um, in March last year. And that concert always sticks in my mind. One because it was the last one, but there was there was such uh, it was such a weird atmosphere with everything that was going on during that time. And I always remember going there and it being like almost like a, a bubble away from everything because everyone was like laughing and drinking and they were all together and it was almost like everyone just checked their worries at the door mm. and just came in and had a great time. And I always remember that feeling of like just safeness almost i remember that quite specifically um i also remember there was um, a a, this this was maybe six seven years ago um a rapper who uh from the states called azealia banks um who is now probably more known for her controversy because she's quite problematic (laughs) um on twitter but as a rapper as a as a musical person she's she's brilliant she's got loads of talent and i remember going with absolutely you know very short expectations and they were blown out the water she really worked it was a small crowd but she she worked it really well and coming out just feeling absolutely buzzing um it was probably one of my favorite one of my favorite concerts i've been to but she she's not unfortunately uh, i'm sure she's gutted not on the list uh, that i've got today <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Jack Jones concert. I had a similar um, concert in last March, which was my last concert I went to, was a guy called Jesse Marlin in London. And it was really, it was like mid-March. And it was to the point where me and my mate Andy were like, this isn't going to happen. This this can't happen. As the week progressed, we were like, this is going to get called off. And it didn't. And you're right. Like Everyone got in there and it was like such a nice feeling. And even Jesse Marlin, the artist, kind of said, this is our last night on our European tour. And he goes, we're going back to America tomorrow. And he goes, given the current circumstances, I don't know when we'll be back. And it kind of felt like that was like the turning point. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That was a, that was a really nice memory that you've kind of just shared with us. So thank you for that. So lots of great festival experience, lots of great gig experience, an open book in terms of a musical taste. So the aim of getting you on the podcast, Jordan, is to get you to come on, collate your fantasy festival. So you get to choose any five acts, one of who must play one of their studio albums in full. And to finish your fantasy festival, you can have all five acts come on at the end and perform one song by any artist, which will be the encore. So it's all very simple. Five acts take five time slots. So I mentioned at the start of the podcast last week, I had Jeremy Michael on and he collated his Forever Young Fantastival. So he had Billy Bragg in his opening slot. He then had Skinny Lister in his super second slot. In his Midway Master slot, he picked James, but from the early 90s. So caveat there, 
the early 90s games. In his pre-headline slot, he picked Frank Turner. And in, in his headline slot, he picked the Levelers and had them playing their album Leveling the Land and many other tunes. And for the encore, to finish off his Fantastival, he picked Like a Rolling Stone by the one and only Bob Dylan. So I've mentioned, George, I've got five predictions for you. I've worked closely on these with Mr. Rupert Banning Lover and Laura Davies. <laughs> We've got five acts between us. I will tell you what they are at the end of okay. your lineup. But a very important question, first up, coming at you: What are you going to call your fantasy festival? So I'm going to call my uh, fantasy festival the Master of All Trades. The Master of All Trades. So what? So yeah. what's inspired your title? Why that title? So there's a the saying, obviously, that everyone knows: the Jack of All Trades, but the Master of None. Um, but I think my festival has so many different genres and loads of different um, kind of areas that it goes into. But I also believe that the acts I've chosen are the master of those. They are the best at what they do. Um, so, yeah, master of all trades is, is where the festival comes from. I love it. I love it. And you get to pick, Jordan, where you can hold the master of all trades. So you can take us back to HV Solihull. You can take us to Wembley Stadium. You can take us back to the V location. You can take us anywhere. The world is your oyster for this one. So where are you holding the master of all trades festival? This, this one was really tricky. Um, I was going to do uh, Red Rocks. Um, but Mr Eastwood Mr um, Eastwood had it, um, <laughs> a few weeks ago and I thought oh, I can't copy him so um, I settled on another one which is also a great venue um, it's the Hollywood Bowl oh wow great venue yeah um, I, we, me and my partner did a road trip around um, the west coast of America a couple of years ago and we stopped outside we weren't allowed in as, as hard as we tried um, huh. but I just remember looking at it from the outside and thinking, you know, really being taken aback. And then obviously seeing pictures inside as well. I do like a good open air festival. So that was probably, um, yeah, a real great venue to, to play in, it looks like. Great venue, one that makes its fantastical debut. So for the first time, the Hollywood Bowl gets picked. I've never had the pleasure of being there, but you're right. It looks like an insane venue and lots yeah. of history behind it and such great acts. Yeah have played there, as will your amazing five acts. So before we talk about your amazing five acts, it's very difficult, and I'm well aware of how difficult it is to get all of your favourite artists down and work them down into just five. So before we get cracking with the five, are there any who deserve a mention in your book who haven't made your five? Yeah, I I, I couldn't imagine them with a couple of festivals, if I'm honest. Um, And it's been torturous trying to get it down to five. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so my number one, which I really wanted, is Amy Winehouse. Um, for obvious reasons, uh, it would have been nice to see her perform. Um, Stereophonics, I'm a big fan of Stereophonics, and I've seen them quite a few times, and I think that's why I didn't put it in. Um, Slipknot, I really like Slipknot, but I've never seen them live, and it's someone I've always wanted to see. Um, TLC, I'm, a, I'm quite a big fan of TLC as well, and um, a guilty pleasure, which I know you're not supposed to have guilty pleasure <laughs> on this podcast, but here it goes, is the Spice Girls, because I saw them last year, uh, in 2019, and I loved it, and I've got no shame in saying it, so yeah, those are the, the five that would have made the other festival if I, if I had a chance. Absolutely brilliant choices there. Who've just missed out? Amy Wine has been has been picked a couple of times now, um, but Stereophonics yeah. have been mentioned. I think Neil Taylor mentioned him quite a lot. Still not been picked for a fantasy festival lineup as of Slipknot and TLC and the Spice Girls. 
the wait for them goes on. So they don't make your five in. So it's the Hollywood Bowl, two o'clock. Master of all trades, fantastical, sold out instantly. You've got the best seats in the house. You're wandering around. You've got it all to come. So who is going to open your fantastical? So my first uh, act for fantastical is a soul singer songwriter, and her name is Erica Badu. Um, she is. This is also as well someone who I'd have played the full album. Oh, okay. Um, so. A couple of years ago, I, I came across her. I came across this album. Uh, it's called Mama's Gun. Um, I listened to it in full, and I just instantly I fell in love with her. I thought her voice, her personality that comes through uh, when she's singing is just—it's just brilliant. Um, and it really, that album in particular, has such creativity and does stuff that I haven't really seen other people do. So yeah, and then ever since then, her other albums are great, but I've just never, ever had something live up to that album. But the reason why she's number one is because she's very chilled, her voice is really kind of soothing, so I think it'd be a great way to start off the uh, the festival. Fantastic stuff. So Erica Badu makes her fantastical debut. It, Erica Badu reminds me of when I started working in H&V, because I was an indie kid, and I got put on the soul and dance floor. And suddenly, my world from being Oasis, Cast, Cooler Shaker, became Macy Gray, Lauren Hill, Erica Badu. Like, Erica Badu, I think it just released Baduism, if I remember rightly. And that was a great album, um, as well as Mama's Gun. So, a fantastic choice there. She makes her fantastical debut. She'll play for an hour. She'll play from two till three o'clock. Then we'll take a half-hour break. Then it'll be time for your super seconds act to come on, George. So, who... Is going to take up your super seconds act at your fantastical. This one, this has been the arduous one. This has been the one that I've taken out and put back in, and taken out and put back in, and I've got no idea why. Um, but this one um, is Destiny's Child. Oh, brilliant! So Destiny's Child make their fantastical <laughs> debut. Beyonce finally gets herself in to yeah, a fantastical. She pulls herself together and she, uh, <laughs> she says, right, Michelle, Kelly, come on, let's go. Uh, Jordan needs us. So, yeah, Destiny's Child is uh, number two. And for them, for this, it's purely nostalgic purposes. So the the, the CD that was going around in my little Walkman when I was strutting around the, the streets <laughs> of South Yardley was um, Independent Women with a B-side of uh, Survivor. And it just every time I listen to Destiny's Child, it really brings back like really great memories of my childhood. You know, being one of the first CDs I bought, and they were kind of the first band that I remember liking and like liking all of their music rather than just picking you know bits and here and there or listening to you know just the chart. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was I was oh god, I must have been about maybe ten or eleven at the time, but. They really got me into. I had a bit of a R and B phase when I was a kid, and that was that was one of the bands that got me into it. So, yeah, and I think they'd they'd get the crowd going after the soothing of Erica Badu. They would, uh, yeah, really get it all up. So are we going for the free piece of Destiny's Child and not the original four piece, or are you going to have them bring out the some more original members, or we could have Jay Z come out and do a bit with Beyonce? Well, no, let's see. 
I wouldn't want Jay to do that. It would have to be just there's the three piece Destiny's Child, the master. But then if they wanted if they wanted to do their own solo bits, um, I, I I might allow it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're fantastic, with Jordan. Anything goes. Anything that you demand gets 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 pushed through. Exactly, and then. You know, like Kelly has had some like mainstream um, hits, you know, with um, When Love Takes Over and Commander and work, and obviously Beyonce had like a full body of work, and Michelle is there, so you know, it, 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 they've got a lot to work with. Um, I don't think people realise that they started in the nineties, and that some of them are still growing today. They've expanded over what three decades, yeah. so. You know, they've got they've got a lot of work to, to work with there. Absolutely have. And not a band who you probably associate with a festival, but a great festival act. And in an hour they would literally I mean it, it, they've only got an hour. Every track would be killer or you know, all killer no filler. Yeah. Well, I know Beyonce um, did the Super. I know it's not it's not the same, but Beyonce did the Super Bowl um, halftime show where she, you know, Kelly and Michelle were out with them as well, and just that audience reaction. I, I was thinking of that and thinking, God, that would be just amazing in a festival setting to have all of your childhood songs, well, all of my childhood songs. Um, you know, played in this festival where you can, you know, have a drink and a dance and a boogie. Um, it, it sounds like a winner to me. Absolute winner. So Destiny's Child make their fantastical debut. Beyonce finally gets into the fantastical building. <laughs> so Destiny's Child will play from half past three to half past four in your super second slot. They'll take another half hour break and then it'll be five o'clock. It'll be time for your midway madness slot. So George, who's going to take up your midway madness slot? So this is a band that um, I'd say is a little bit less well-known, um, as pretentious as that sounds. Um, <laughs> but they, I've seen them probably six times um, since 2015. And every time I've seen them, they get better and better. And they are just incredible. They're a band called um, Molotov Jukebox. Okay, they're not a band who I've heard of, but sometimes I find that the bands who I haven't heard of on this podcast are the real winners. So... I go back to Lee Clancy telling me about Violent Soho and I didn't have any idea who they were and then they were my second most played act on Spotify last year because <laughs> I listened to two of the tracks that Lee gave me and I was like, wow. So who are Molotov Jukebox and what kind of what do they sound like? So they've been likened to sounding like Nando's music but I wouldn't give that... <laughs> that was a friend who said that, not me. Um, they are... If you download them on iTunes, their genre is Tropicalismo, which wow. is insane. And it does go with what they sound like. So they're a five or six piece, I'm not entirely sure, but they're a five or six piece uh, band. And the lead singer plays the accordion. There's horns, there's um, you know, drums, there's bass. But as a unit, they sound like a good time. <laughs> That's the only way I can really describe them. Um, you know, they when you see them live, they interact with the audience really well. Um, you know, they they do dance competitions. They are just an energy about them that is unparalleled in any kind of concert I've been to. And haven't I've seen them at one festival, uh, which was the Swingamajig Festival in Birmingham. Um, and I remember just falling in love with them then and thinking, bloody hell, these are brilliant. And then going back for their discography and discovering that their live presence translates to their, their recording presence just so well. 
and um, yeah, as I said, I've seen them six times, and I every you know they hang out with the audience afterwards, and they're just they're just they're really really great. And it, I, I was trying when I was doing this, I was trying my hardest to kind of put them down into a box and say, oh, they sound like this, they sound like that, um, and I really struggled because. I just I really can't get my head around who they sound like. Um, but one of the one of the songs, just to kind of show how like fun and like carefree they are, I'd almost I hate that word, but um, they have like a Mario breakdown during one of their songs. So you know the da, 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 that is in one of their songs, and I remember listening to that the first time live, like a little bit drunk, going absolutely. Ape shit because <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and ever since then they've just been every time someone asks this was like a no-brainer for me Molotov jukebox was number one always awesome I look forward to checking them out so Molotov jukebox make their fantastical debut they'll play in your midway madness slot they'll get an hour they'll play from five till six so two acts left to go in your pre-headline act and your headline act so your pre-headline act will play from half six to eight o'clock. They'll get an hour and a half, so a bit longer than the first three acts. So, Jordan, who is going to play in your pre-headline act? Um, so, this I've been a fan of this band for since I was 14, 15. Um, it's Paramore. They were the first band I was fanatical about. And I do mean fanatical. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of, like, just owning every CD and going to every concert... Um, you know, it was a band that really kind of got me into music and showed me like you can <laughs> really kind of invest in one band and you know go into H and B and buying the CDs and you know waiting for them the concert tickets to be on sale and and all that. But then through that, you know, I was able to get into because I had an emo phase. I'm not afraid to say it anymore. I had. A, I know, think a we've phase. all. I think we've all had some kind of emo phase at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was a teenager at one point, so you know, I had an emo phase, and they were a big part of growing up and you know being a teenager and and all that. But growing up with them as well, because obviously they're still growing now. Growing up with them now and having them evolve musically as I was growing up and having them kind of sing about different topics that I could relate to whilst growing up. Because if they talked about, you know, constantly being a teen, you know, being a teenager and, and all that stuff as I was growing up, I don't think there'd still be that connect there. Mm. But their latest album sounds nothing like their first one. And I love when artists try something different, but they still remain who they are. Um, and I think they've done that successfully. And also seeing them live, oh my God, their, their energy is insane. You know, they get everyone moving like no one's business. Um, they really connect. And they're, yeah, a, a, a great experience. I've never seen them at a festival, but seeing them in concert is, is just brilliant. Fantastic. So Paramore make their fantastical debut. So you, they're still going, aren't they? You said. Yeah. So I know uh, the lead singer Haley Williams mm. is um, has done a solo project, which sounds nothing like her Paramore stuff. Mm. But I don't think they've broke up. But I think they might be on like a hiatus for a little right. bit, and, or unless I'm being delusional and I'm just holding on to the fact that they're probably <laughs> broke up, and I'm like, no, they're coming back. I swear. <laughs> Brilliant. So Paramore will play from half past six to eight o'clock. They take your pre-headline slot. So they make their fantastical debut. So they will finish playing at eight o'clock. We'll take a half hour break 
and then your headline actors are going to come on. They're going to get two and a half hours. They're going to play from half past eight to 11 o'clock and be the last act at your Master of All Trades Fantastical. So, Mr. Haywood, don't keep us waiting any longer. Who <laughs> is going to headline your fantasy festival? Ah, oh, so the Mac, so the Mac have been kind of selected for a fantastical before, but that was Peter Green's Fleetwood Mac. So I take it you're you aren't going for the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac. You're going to go for the lineup. Well, you tell us what what kind what what version are you going to go for Fleetwood Mac? The 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 original Fleetwood Mac, the rumours Fleetwood Mac, um, specifically because that was the first kind of album that got me into them. Um, Fleetwood Mac for me has I've always liked Fleetwood Mac but it was only until I was about 22, 23 that I realised it was Fleetwood Mac that I liked um, because my dad and as I've said, you know, my parents are a big musical influence on me you know, we go to concerts together um, when I was younger I remember they'd listen to music around the house and I'd always catch glimpses of what they were listening to here and there um, and I remember um, it was You Can Go Your Own Way that um, my dad and my mum used to listen to all the time. And I remember thinking, oh, I like that song. And then it was Everywhere. And I remember thinking, oh, I like that song. <laughs> and then it was Little Lies. And I was like, oh, I really like that song. And it was only until I was 22 I realised that they were all the same person. And I was actually a, a Fleetwood Mac fan in disguise. Uh, and, and ever since then, I've, I've really, you know, I love listening to them. It's the, it, their kind of discography is what I'll listen to if I'm writing, because I'll always, it will always just take me to a, a zone of just calmness and happiness. Um, I did see them, I saw them in 2019, obviously without, you know, Lindsay. Yeah. Um, but I saw them and they were, they were brilliant there. Um, all of the fans were, you know, so loving. There was such a great loving energy there because um, we saw them at the O2, so it was a massive, massive arena. Um, but yeah, ever, ever since figuring out who they were and how much I liked them without realising, um, I've just I've been enamoured with them. And um, there was also a, a ulterior motive um, about it because it's it's one of my dad's favourite band and it's one of my dad's bucket list items to go and see them. So it would be nice to to have him go there as well. <laughs> amazing, amazing. It's more amazing when you actually like start finding out about the band themselves. I remember watching like a classic albums documentary on Rumours, and obviously you have got two couples in there who are both on on the verge of breaking up. You've got a drug addictions and alcohol problems also in the band, and they still managed to make an album like Rumours. It's quite phenomenal, really, when you think about it. And like all the songs have got some kind of meaning. So, you know, go your own way. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is really catchy. But then when you get older <laughs> and you start listening to what he's saying yeah. and then given yeah. the situation, you're like, blimey. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> really hit you. I mean, there was, there was a, a tweet the other... I saw a tweet the other day and it was like, Stevie Nicks is really that bitch who kind of like, yeah, had so many problems with her boyfriend and then wrote a song and made him sing that in front of people. <laughs> and it was like, all the songs were about him. And I just thought, yeah, actually, that fair play to Stevie Nicks, that's awesome. Uh, but it's just all of the drama, and obviously I didn't know about any of their history or mm. their backstory when I was, you know, listening to them. And that's what's made them so interesting to me, is that, and I think to a lot of new like a lot of other people as well, they were, obviously they've been going for such a long time, and there's still stuff to be finding out about them. There's still, there's still life in them. And I, I just, I love that. I really do. 
some great yeah great great analysis there of Fleetwood Mac and so many great tunes to choose from from you know Chain Go Your Own Way Rhiannon Sweet Little Liars Landslide when I first heard Landslide it was by the Dixie Chicks so I didn't actually realise Landslide yeah. was a Fleetwood Mac a Mac tune because I was familiar with the Dixie Chicks album through working at HMV, and then about two years later, I heard it on Fleetwood Mac, and I was like, "No way! <laughs> Come on!" <laughs> I remember my partner always says when um, I think, uh, "Everywhere comes on," he always goes, "I can't believe Fleetwood Mac did a cover of the Core cool song." Like, uh, <laughs> oh, dreams! Don't do this to me. Amazing, yeah. They, you know, that's a sign of how respected I guess they are by how many contemporary bands and big bands as well go on to cover cover their music. Yeah. So Fleetwood Mac will play for two and a half hours in a fun-filled two and a half hour set. They'll play from half past eight to eleven p.m. So once we get to eleven p.m., then Eric Badu is going to come back on stage with Destiny's Child, with Molotov Jukebox, with Paramore, Fleetwood Mac. They get to play one song of your choosing to close your fantasy festival. So Jordan, what is the encore song of your festival going to be? Yeah. This this was really hard. Um, and then when I found the, when I was looking for my iTunes and I found the song and it kind of was like, oh, it's that one. It, it is that one. I was originally going to do Everywhere because by Fleetwood Mac because I know Paramore did a cover of it on their live shows on the last circuit they did. But I thought Fleetwood would already have done that. So my <laughs> uncle's song is River Deep, Mountain High. Oh, fantastic. Great track. Yeah. Um, that, uh, uh, we, like, me and my mom went to go and see Pull the Face a couple of years back and she did that as an encore and that song just never fails to make me move my feet or, you know, both <laughs> to make me move my two left feet. You know, they just, it, that song, whenever it comes on, I just, I, I get like so much energy from it and I think with all of them together, I know, like, trying to make that into one cohesive sound has got to sound uh, very interesting. But, um, no, yeah, it would be definitely River Deep Mountain High to, to close it off on a, on a big, energetic, big bang. A fantastic song to end, a fantastic, fantastical lineup. So at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned I didn't know you that well, as well as what I thought, and your fantastical lineup has just gone to show me that I was absolutely right in thinking that I didn't know you as well as what I thought I did. <laughs> I got, I got, or we got as a collective, so I'll include Rupert and Lionis, we got one out of five. So we got Fleetwood Mac. So, yeah. you know, one out of five is not bad. The other four acts on the list, because I never cheat, I always just pick five acts. I had the Spice Girls on my list, so they didn't make it. The other three acts in, I thought we might be seeing Pink on your lineup. A fun fact, I went to go and see Pink at V Festival. Um, she was headlining, and I got so drunk, I can't remember a single moment of it. So, <laughs> I, I feel so when everyone's like, oh, have you seen Pink before? I'm like, yeah, probably, I think so. And then we went to go and see her again in Cardiff, and same thing happened again I remember seeing a couple of things but I don't know what it is about pink and just memory loss but yeah I, I, I don't want that to happen again basically I don't want to have her in my festival and then just forget the first three acts before her so I decided to leave her out of it <laughs> Amazing. I haven't seen Pink before, but in Butlins about two years ago, I saw a Pink tribute act, and it was one of the, it was the, one of the best tribute acts I've ever seen. So I don't need to see Pink because I've seen this tribute act who literally could have been Pink in my face. And the last two, uh, we were quite stuck for really. So we had Jess Glynn and oh my God. Dua Lipa. I know. Dua Lipa in this, uh, 
um, Jess, <laughs> Jess Glynn. I was a really big fan of Jess Glynn, and I, I shouldn't really be saying this, but here we are. I was a really big fan of Jess Glynn until I met her, and I found her to be really rude. Ever since then, yeah, ever since then, I, I've, I've boycotted Miss Glynn, which again, I'm sure she's felt deep within her soul. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've. I've Ever since I met her, I just I found her really rude and and yeah I just I've left it out. But I, I think there was a moment where I did like quite a bit of Jess Glynn, so I, I understand why you why you'd say that. So not bad, in so one out of five. No, I'll take I'll take that. A, a zero would have been absolutely soul destroying. So I'll take I'll take a one out of five. So have you, you had a zero yet? Yeah. <laughs> so let's lock your fantastical in then. So before you can change your mind, or you can still change your mind until we lock it in. We have got the Master of All Trades Fan Festival taking place at the Hollywood Bowl. In your opening slot, we've got Erica Badu. She's going to play her album, Mama's Gun. In your super second slot, we've got Destiny's Child. In your midway madness slot, we've got Molotov Jukebox. In your pre-headline act slot, we are having Paramore and headlining your fantasy festival. We have got Fleetwood Mac. And for your encore, going to play River Deep, Mountain High. Mr. Jordan Hayward, are you happy to lock that fantastical into the fantastical vaults. Lock it in, Steve. Lock it in. Very happy with that. Amazing. After three weeks, four weeks of, of agonising over this list, someone's going to lock it in or I'm losing my mind. So yeah, <laughs> just lock it in for me, please. Brilliant. Brilliant five acts make their fantastical debut. So that is it then. So thanks to everyone for listening to the 38th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this today, please subscribe and give the Fantastical Podcast a review if you are listening on iTunes. Very easy to do that. Or if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, go and like and follow the podcast. That way you get all the podcasts as soon as they are available. And if you're on social media, go and give us a follow on Twitter at Fantastical P. We get lots of listens, but not that many follows on Twitter. So go and give us a follow at Fantastical P. Or if you're not on Twitter and you want to make contact, you can email us at fantasticalpodcast at outlook.com. It's always great to hear from people who have listened to the podcast. Unfortunately, we can't play any music on the pod, but you know you can stream all of these artists or buy their albums from storehnv.com uh, that, Ru- that Rupert, that Jordan has spoken about. And I'll get some tracks of Jordan and I will put them into a Spotify playlist that will be available in the episode description. So whatever you're listening on to on now, there'll be a link in the episode description from Jordan's favourite artists and you can go and listen to those and see if you like any of those and maybe you'll get into a new band through doing that. I look very forward to listening to Molotov Jukebox as I hadn't heard them before. So a huge thank you to my guest in this episode, Mr Jordan Hayward. Jordan, how have you found it? It's been a pleasure speaking to you. You've been a man of quite a few surprises in this one. I've enjoyed this. <laughs> it's been great. It's been really great just to have a chat with you about, about the thing that we both love. So yeah, it's been really great. You've been a fantastic guest, a fantastic lineup. So well done to you. So I'll be back with episode number 39 next week. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe, my fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Fantastical.